As more business assets move to the cloud, attackers have followed close behind. Cloud account compromise will give the attacker wide-ranging access to data, contacts, calendar entries, email, and other system tools, and it's no longer a rarity. The 2021 Human Factor Report from Proofpoint notes that credential theft accounts for about two-thirds of attacks. If the attacker has access to your account, at the very least, they have a starting point on their way to their objective. So adopting your identity presents them with a world of opportunity. Today, I'm joined by Proofpoint's competitive specialist, Sammy Davies, to explore this further. Welcome, Sammy. Thanks, Charles. Let's get straight into it. What do we mean by account compromise attacks? Sure, yeah. Well, I think account compromise kind of does what it says on the tin, right? Essentially, it is where an account is taken over by an attacker. But when we think about those attacks, the attacks themselves are actually a bit more interesting. It's it's kind of why attackers attempt to compromise accounts through the lens of the outcomes they're planning to get. So to trick individuals into divulging credentials, wiring money out of the, an organization, or accessing some sensitive data. And those outcomes obviously come at a risk to an organization, to an individual's well-being. I can only imagine the stress that would be on my shoulders if I let you know, an attack into the organization or or wired money out of the organization, but also the business level, obviously, brand identity, where customers see that their intellectual property or their information has been sent out of an organization is in the hands of somebody else that shouldn't have it. And then in the industry, obviously, those techniques and tactics uh, that threat actors use in order to repeat success. Yeah, so it's uh, it's not all fluffy and light stuff then? Sadly not, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, um, in February 2022, Proofpoint released a blog showing how Microsoft misses account compromise attacks. Could you just explain what was found in that report and why this is so important? Yeah, so there's a few interesting data points that were picked out in that blog. For example, I know you mentioned at the beginning where there's credential theft accounts for about two thirds of attacks. Um, Proofpoint detected more than 112,000 credential theft, keyloggers and downloader threats that had slipped past Microsoft email security, uh, the perimeter defenses there. And there's a number of data points, you know, I don't like over data (laughs) oversharing data information, but you have different sizes of organizations that are are seeing this. In fact, many, most organizations are seeing this. So for one large software firm, they had about 15,000 employees and more than 13,000 of them had credential threats delivered to their employees. So that's nearly one per employee there at the organization. But you've also got those smaller businesses. So at a smaller insurance firm, they had fewer than 1,000 employees Uh, They saw almost 1,800 threats that were delivered to their users. So it's got through Microsoft, the end users have had it, and there's a risk that they're going to click on something, download something, or or do something that they really shouldn't. And that was about, you know, two per each employee. And then at the more extreme, you have an international media organization with 2,000 employees, and they saw more than 25,000 credential threats that were being delivered to their employees. So just over 12, under 15 threats that were being delivered to their employees there. Wow, that's that's a lot. I mean, that, that one that you, that you said with 1,000 employees, mm. having 1,800 threats coming through, and it being almost two for every employee that that's a lot i mean i I take it a lot of these though they're not necessarily i I don't want to downplay this at all but i presume some of those are going to be 
quite small, ins- almost insignificant, the kind of thing that you and I might get on our personal email. It's more, you know, those threats getting through and it is the risk, no matter how small or insignificant we may see that they are, the fact that they still get through and that somebody may action something, that's the, I don't want to say exciting bit, but it's the, it's the real risk bit. You know, that's the thing that we want to look at and we want to avoid happening. Like you said before, we wouldn't want to be the people that let the bad actors in. You know, you would absolutely kick yourself, if not even worse than that, potentially in terms of your job stability, if that was to happen. So, I mean, the thing that I find fascinating with this is that Microsoft, and obviously we're not here to, you know, knock anybody at all whatsoever, but Microsoft are a huge name in the business, aren't they? And For them to have so many holes, should we call them, but but ways of gaining entry, that is scary. And I suppose in a way that that should be the big wake up call for all of us. I I think so. Yeah. And I think we typically say, you know, Microsoft is kind of a, a victim of their own success. You know, their platform is being used in order to host some of these threats. You've got OneDrive, SharePoint, et cetera. And so their platform is being used in order to upload these PDFs, these documents that have those macros that can be enabled and obviously later on download things onto computers and spread across an organization, really. And it's because they're such a big name, right? And threat actors who know that these tools that are being used for doing collaboration, for doing business, you know, communicating amongst teams internally, Um, can leverage that to bypass Microsoft security. And so because Microsoft aren't, you know, there's so many files, so many folders, everything in their OneDrive SharePoint, obviously it's hosted there. And there's specific things. There are holes, unfortunately, which is why we recommend those layers of security in the Microsoft solutions where having those layered protection obviously can help you detect better, you know, why something may have got through or what's got through, who has it got through to, and how can we kind of mitigate or remediate against those threats? Hmm. I, I completely agree because essentially, I, I think that there's probably not a company in, I'll, I'll just say the UK, just to keep it down as small as I can, but that won't have some kind of Microsoft contact in, in terms of software that they're using, whether it be cloud-based or on their actual devices themselves. And that's essentially why, isn't it? If you're if you're a bad actor wanting to do something bad, then you want to give yourself as mu- as big a chance of winning, essentially, as you can. So therefore, you go after something that you you kind of think, well, you're casting your net wider, aren't you? Microsoft, everybody uses it in some capacity. So therefore, if I target that, I'm more likely to catch a fish. Yeah, for sure. But also, I think because licenses are available online. So for example, I could purchase an E5 license, I could pretend to be a hacker, I could pretend to be one of these threat actors, you know, I I can purchase that license, I can run those vulnerability testing, I can see what's going to get through Microsoft defenses. And once I've got a hit, I don't have to spray and pray that these threats that I'm sending through to an entire organization is going to stick, I can be more targeted. I can figure out who within the organization will click on it or what information I want to get from those people. And I can be really targeted in the way that I'm I'm attacking people. I think that's really interesting. I mean, obviously, you can use it in a way of hopefully closing those holes as well. So if you can see that this is a hole, I could get through it. That means somebody else can. What can I now do to close it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Perfect. So let's talk about then what we can actually do as organizations to combat 
these compromises in cloud-based software. What what can we do, Sammy? What would you recommend? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's interesting. We've got a rise of those supplier risks. So third parties that we're working with every day. Obviously, we're expected to pay invoices for services rendered and really focusing on, you know, these trusted relationships that we have outside of the organization, not just those people within who may have an account compromise, um, but really focusing on, you know, understanding which of our suppliers are at risk. For example, we've got kind of a supplier risk explorer where we can rank and prioritize uh, the level of risk of supplier domains to see if that supplier or partner presents a risk to our organization or to the people that they're communicating with. It's one of those signals that we can use to assess if there's a potential threat within an email. We really seen as like the only vendor that provides an end-to-end integrated solution with those multiple layers of protection to combat account compromise in the first place. You know, if, if our partners or our suppliers have been compromised, we want to have visibility into that. But it's also our responsibility as, as their customers to make sure that we're secure in order to not compromise our suppliers, our third parties that we work with. And so we've built sort of those multi-layer detection techniques to defend against constantly evolving threats, leveraging that AI and ML and behavior learning models um, in order to make sure that, that that big problem of account compromise We have those analytics and insights so that we can identify what remediation we need to provide um, and how we can mitigate those risks going forward. In this day and age, obviously, we're talking about how connected we all are with our suppliers and and with our customers. You know, it, it could be that we're all using the same sales software or that we're all using the same invoicing software whatever it might be the fact is is that we're no longer separate entities there is now this connection whether it be through the cloud or just through even through email obviously you know we we heard on the last episode we were talking about an attack on pathe and that was just all through email somebody essentially pretending to be somebody else that the organization already trusted and they got an awful lot of money out of it. And that was simply through the trust. But it's it's now a lot more than that, isn't it? With, with the whole cloud software and everything being interconnected with each other, we've got to be so much more careful than we were beforehand. Yeah, and I think it's... It's difficult, right? Because we we kind of rely on the end user or the recipient of these attacks via email to recognize it. And they are sophisticated. They are difficult to identify. Um, And if we don't have adequate security in place, obviously, it's kind of on the end user, like I mentioned, the well-being of that person who's, you know, not maliciously let something in or let something out those people have that have to shoulder that burden or we need to educate them you know we've got this platform that obviously includes some of that education for end users so that they can identify a sophisticated attack not just those links or those attachments but making sure that they can really understand okay is this somebody that i've spoken to before what's changed within the email you know requirements that the contact is trying to get me to action. Is this the CEO of the organization? Is this urgent? Why is it urgent? Should I be doing this? It is kind of on on us as the end users, but we need to stop those threats coming through in the first instance and, and setting up end users for, for success. You know, it's that whole thing of, first of all, we're thinking about somebody basically dressing themselves up as somebody that you already know and trust. That's the email side of it. And then... The same thing is happening, isn't it, when it comes to account compromise through the cloud. It might not be an email that's happening, but it's an identity 
that's been cloned, for want of a better word, and therefore somebody is pretending to be somebody else using a disguise. And at this point, there's not necessarily an actual human being that's turning around and allowing it to happen. It's to do with the security software and the features of that software that essentially allow something to go through. We talked about Microsoft and, and any holes that it might have in, in their cloud software solutions. That's essentially down to AI, isn't it, for us to try and make sure that that doesn't happen. And that's where Proofpoint comes in with different facilities there to be able to plug those gaps. Yeah, so it's, it's you've touched on, obviously, that kind of potential spoofing of domains, for example. Um, but yeah, absolutely, the, the behavioral kind of expectation of those that we're communicating with you know having a banner with context on your email that says oh you haven't spoken to this person before alerts somebody to recognize that maybe I need to pay a little bit more attention to the communication that we've got here and it's really that behavior you know the supernova detections that that we've been including and so yeah it's understanding what what we're expecting from the emails that we receive and whether we should be actioning what's being asked of us in those emails as well. With email account compromise, obviously, we have passwords, we have different accounts, it's not just our email, there's applications in the cloud that we're leveraging. And really, it's a bit tricky when people use the same passwords, perhaps, they use the same email address. And so once they're into the business, they could go on their Facebook, they could go on their LinkedIn, they could start building this network. So the threat actors are, are looking for this kind of information and who they can target next. And that's really where the spread happens. You know, it could be, you could be patient zero and they're getting access to your network unintentionally, but that is an unfortunate result of a successful account compromise attack. Yeah, I mean, for years, decades, in fact, you know, cybersecurity experts have been, you know, going on about how have a different password for every single account that you hold, whether it be for your Facebook or for your email accounts or, you know, even just, just I mean, the bare bones of it, your laptop. Mm. You know, I mean, it's the one thing that, that I was absolutely sure of when I first paid, you know, thousands of pounds for my first laptop that I've got in front of me here for my business, you know, it, it asked me to set up a password. And I was like, I very nearly went and typed in the same thing that I used for something else and went, hang on a minute. No, because if they can get into my laptop, that's already dangerous and they're pretty much there. But if it's got the same password and they've got in, well, they're just going to try that password again to access my Facebook or my Twitter or emails or whatever else it could be, my, my iCloud storage. Or banking, you know, maybe you're using a similar for your online banking. And I, I don't know about yours, but mine's got sort of a second layer where you have to answer a question and you, it's it's very specific, but you know, it could be as personal as that, you know, you use the same email address for banking or whatever, you know, it's these different applications in your personal life, not just the business world that you need to be you're paying attention to. But when it comes to kind of email account compromise and having detection engines or capabilities that can identify where there's suspicious login activities and potentially malicious third party applications as well, you know, that that kind of insight is really important because if it's happened at your email level you know they're probably going after all those different applications and you know your banking logins and what have you 
And I suppose it's important to recognise the fact that obviously, I mean, the internet's been around for what, nearly 40 years now, if not slightly longer than that, dare I say it. But, you know, you would hope in a way that, that we'd have sorted all of this out by now. But the fact is, is that we will take a step and then the bad actors will take two. And there's going to be constant upgrading and changing to the way that things are done by the bad actors that, that essentially we need to keep up with. Yeah, and I think it's, it's a business for them as well, right? We're, we're constantly seeing these multi-layered threats as well, where we've got multiple layers of protection and detection. Threat actors are working together to get credential information. They'll sell that on that person can log in and, you know, email somebody with a Trojan or something that they would then download. And it just becomes this tangled mess. And I think that's why it's so important to have those layers of security, because threat actors are using their own layers in order to infiltrate or expand within a business or within a network. I just want to go back to some of those numbers that you gave us earlier on, Sammy. Uh, I think it was in one particular case, 13,000 out of 15,000 employees had potential threats that were thrown at that company, that organization, which is still an incredible amount. We said before that, you know, that that is not very far off every single person in that company having received something naughty, something bad that could have resulted in that company losing everything. Yeah, but I think it just it just takes one of those employees who receives it to then get a compromise. And as we've said, there's those those different different stages that threat actors then can take once they've got a foot in the door in order to get further within the organization. But I also think it's quite interesting the difference in the numbers of those different organizations. You know, yes, 13,000 out of 15,000 got credential threats, but you've got a 2,000 employee organization that had 25,000 credential threats. Now, is that a desperation for infiltrating that specific industry, that specific company? Difficult to say, you know, <laughs> at a high level, but there's there's different focuses, different targets. And I think understanding who the very attacked people are, you know, why they're attacked, what they're being attacked with, who's attacking them, so that we can have a better idea of how to protect at the individual level, obviously does help. It just gives us a better picture of where our organization is against other people within the industry. You know, are we being attacked with the same things? Are we receiving the same threats or the same techniques or ask, being asked for the same data or information out of our organization as others would be? Because that just gives us a better picture on how to secure our organization, gives, you know, data points and visibility and insights into security providers who can then leverage that to protect others across the globe, across other organizations. And, and that's essentially exactly what Proofpoint are doing, isn't it? They're, they're, they're looking at ways to try and protect all of their customers and more as much as they possibly can. Yeah, we spoke about Microsoft earlier, and I don't, I don't want this to be a session where we're saying, oh, there's another gap, but they use a lot of reputation scanning. They have a lot of re reputation scoring. And so if we haven't seen that threat before and it's not seen as malicious, it can get through. And so I think at Proofpoint, what we do here is we use some of that browser isolation. So if it's a, if it's a link we've never seen before, we don't trust it. It's guilty until proven innocent <laughs> in, in some respects, where if we don't recognize it, we don't know that it is or isn't a threat, we'll put it into an isolated browser for those very attack people, making sure that if they do click on it, 
nothing gets in or out. The browser of the organisation is protected. You've been listening to Good Isn't Good Enough, a podcast about email security powered by Proofpoint. For more information, check out the links in the podcast description or go to proofpoint.com.